Welcome back to WSANradio.org, Spotify, anywhere else you're listening to. I'm your host, Sebastian Cordero. And at the moment, Nicole's not with us. She might join us later. But as always, this is The Ghost Light. Now, today we have two special guests with us. If you guys like to introduce yourselves, you guys can. Hi, I'm Zanetta Nicholson. Hello, my name is Jacob Santos. How are you guys, like, you know, through all quarantine? How are you guys doing? Living. <laughs> Living, existing, breathing. <laughs> I feel like that's the only thing we can say at this point, because yeah. quarantine has been a mess and a half. So living, breathing, that's... Yes. privilege i guess now in this yeah. world that we're living in <laughs> exactly yep. so obviously like like you guys were just specifying though like there's not a lot we can do during quarantine but is there anything like act like arts wise have you been doing from home or like through like a small community thing has there anything you guys have been doing i've been well other than playing animal crossing um because my island is a work of art. I've been, um, <laughs> my dance uh has been doing uh, classes over Zoom. So I've been doing that, um, still dancing. And then like I have an internship at arts organization. So that's where I've been uh, spending my time trying to be creative. Yeah, right now I've been producing an Instagram live series for the Westport Country Playoffs. I was on fellowship for them for a year and then they contracted me to do that. It's been really cool because I've had the opportunity to program black, brown, and queer artists to talk to on that show. So like using this platform from a predominantly white institution and then, you know, bringing black people and brown people and queer people together to have conversations and talk about their careers and art and like representation has been super cool. That's awesome. That's uh, that's kind of like why why I have you guys. Like, obviously, I don't want to be like, oh, we just had you on because you are a person of color. But as a person, uh, I'm 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 white, so I'm not very educated in regards to like people of color in the um arts world. So with this episode, I want to let our viewers know and you guys just to inform me and Nicole, who's about to join us, uh, more about like the arts in itself and what we need to change kind of really is this episode, so. And with that, Nicole is here. I oh. fell asleep. <laughs> That's no, fine. Me too. You're fine. I just woke up. Me so too. Sorry. Don't be sorry. <laughs> so, uh, yes, that is Nicole, our co-host. So she just woke up. Hello. <laughs> So, Nicole, I was just explaining uh, to Jacob and Zanetta that this episode is really for, I want to talk about, like, arts in, in their eyes and, like the, like, the person of color and, like, how they see art as different as me or you would see art in, like, regards to theater, so. Okay, let's get it. I'm ready. So, if, uh, well, like, you know, like, the first question, you know, the big question, I know like yesterday, me, Zanetta, and Jacob, we were on a call uh, to talk about these type of issues. So if uh, I want to open the floor to Zanetta and Jacob to just like kind of like briefly talk about what we talked about in like ways that, that the theater community in itself, not just at Southern, but at the whole 
Broadway community and the whole world can change because of this impact and this movement that is happening. Wow. Definitely. That's a lot. That's a lot to take in. Yeah. So about, I feel like it's been a little over a year, a few students of color and alumni came together and we created the Crescent Players of Color Coalition. And that was basically a support group between students of color who are currently at Southern and also alumni. But also with that group collectively, we came together to um, advocate for better representation within the department. And like one of our main things was getting for this new season that just passed, getting a show written by a playwright of color and featuring characters of color in it. Because we did the math and the math was not good in terms of people of color, playwrights of color that we were producing. So that's kind of like where the conversation started and it's kind of like grown. Like you said, we've had a meeting yesterday. So like that's kind of been the continuing conversation with that. Yeah, and on my end, you know, like um, I got to Southern in 2017, but it's kind of like in and out of the department. Um, so having the Crescent Players of Color Coalition made me feel really safe and protected in a way um while you know having my time there um i think for me this is new um because since i do consider myself a dancer first i'm more educated in the dance world on you know uh in racial injustices um so i'm learning more about the theater side of it but of course you know musical theater is a thing too and that's what i'm into so i really um have been digesting a lot in the past few weeks on it definitely there's a lot of work to be done it will not happen overnight but the sooner we start you know the better it could be for everyone yeah that was really good um because <laughs> like the big thought that was running through my head yesterday during the meeting was like um i think sasha said it um sasha said it's it's starting to become normal to be, or you have to become comfortable with the uncomfortable. And I think that's just how I'm viewing this situation. You know, like, obviously, like, right now, the, the theater department at Southern is run by three white dudes. So it's easy for me to say, oh, I can feel comfortable in this. But the, the problem is, I don't want to, I want change. And like we said, yesterday in the meeting, uh, Skinner was discussing, um, that next person to be hired is a woman of color and I totally support that. So I just like, I really wanted to talk about these issues on the show. Cause I feel like um, the show, the past few episodes, like since we've been during quarantine, I've just been all happy, like, Oh, what are you doing at home? But mm -hmm. I feel like these issues never get talked about. And, and I'm really excited to have Jacob and Zanetta here on the show to talk about these things. Of course, thank you for having us. Definitely, like, I feel like this is something that we don't talk about often. And this is why we're experiencing this sort of big, uncomfortable period, or at least some people say they're feeling really uncomfortable being in these conversations, because like, when we really look at it, theater is an elitist art form, and it's an elitist industry. And with that, from the bottom to the top, it's been crafted to be elite and keep certain people in it and keep other people out. And often it's been very anti-black. So the people they've been keeping out is black folks. So there's so many different systems and little things that we have to dismantle. And that can be really, really uncomfortable. And that, a lot, and that requires white folks who are in positions of power actually to give up some of that power 
and no one to step down and step aside and create equity. So it is a very uncomfortable situation, but it is the work. And I'm glad that we're starting to move in that direction. Mm-hmm. And I think with COVID, you know, I know there's a lot of negatives that come out of COVID, but this is a time for theater organizations, performing arts organizations to start over. This is, they have amount, you know, I know Broadway um, it was announced yesterday, Broadway won't return the rest of 2020. This is a time for them to look through collections, look at their staff, who's on their board of directors, who's going to be in their casting room. You know, who's, who's directing, all, you know, all the aspects of it. This is the time for them to really uh, look at themselves. And, like, I know we talk about um, <clears throat> inclusive. Um, I went to a talk um, two days ago that talked about the word inclusive. Inclusive kind of sounds like an invite. So it's like, hey, you know, we're a white theater run by white people. We don't need to do white work. Hey, you're Black. We're going to have you come in but we're inviting you into our theater based on white supremacy. Um, so this is a time really to not be inclusive, but to start all over and just include us in the beginning. So this is the time for that. Yeah, so kind of, yeah, so I was, these are all things that like, I think like theater in general, like has to, like theater people in general have to think about like, they always, I feel like we're so quick to be like, oh, well, we do theater, so we're very liberal and like we and inclusive. Get, yeah, but like at the end of the day, there are certain people who, like Jacob's saying, are always going to be at the top because they crafted themselves to be there. And so that's like, um, I was reading a thing on Facebook like three days ago, and it was uh, before Frozen hit Broadway, they were on tour and the yeah. Hans, who's playing the guy who's playing Hans, was like, "Oh, the original director, you know, he was really inclusive. He like really like supported what I was doing as an actor. But the minute that we had an a-, a director switch, uh, he started critiquing me on little things where uh other actors, uh, predominantly white, would have like one or two or three notes where he would have like pages on pages of notes, nitpicking him and um." he finally like a fit uh i think the director said something about him like just not even looking in the role or and then that's why he quit the tour or he quit the the off-broadway production of frozen and so it's just crazy to think about all these things that like like people don't want to come out because uh kind of like what we were saying before like there's the fear that you don't get casted because of the things that you speak out on so it's like it's good. I'm really glad to see that people are now coming out and saying their stories about their issues. And even like yesterday, uh, someone in the call was an alumni from like 20 years ago, 20 or 30 years ago, and they were talking about their experience. And they were saying that, and she was saying that it's very sad to see the theater department in the same place that she was, that she saw it as because of the same issues that were going on in regards to the theater department. So yeah, definitely. I feel like the reason why we're in the spot where we're at, well, partially, is because we went through a time where we, where we were taught and socialized to believe, like, do not see color. So, like, color was something that was just erased, 
and during definitely during the Obama era. So like we saw this black man rise to the highest position and power in this country. So a lot of people said, oh, well, racism is over. So like we don't see color, racism is over. We're all equal now. So we went through this period where everyone thought that, but clearly it wasn't true. Black folks knew it wasn't true during that period, but now white folks are kind of coming up to the conversation. So like they're coming up to now realizing that racism never went away. And I've been experiencing things where there have been white activists who like were activists back in the 60s during the civil rights movement. So like they washed, walked on uh, Washington. They did, uh, they did a lot of activism during that time. So like now they're saying like, didn't we do this work? Like we did this in the 60s. Like we already fought for this. So like, why are we doing it again? Like they don't have this understanding that that was the work never finished. The work is always ongoing and continuing. Yeah, exactly. So it's like this weird thing where a lot of white folks thought racism was over, like we did the work to fight it, but like it never went away. <laughs> and it wasn't even that long ago. Like 1964 was not that long ago. Like my parents are 61 and 62. Like they were born before that and they're still here. Like it's not, it was not that long ago. That's just that thing. People were like, I don't know. We're still, it's still a battle. And that's the crazy thing to think about that it is it that it was only the 60s and the 70s that these big issues were being fought and like you you come to these like these issues now and it's like it's the expression that history always repeats itself and that's exactly what's happening here and like um like i i don't know if you if jacob or Zanetta took this class but it's southern but me and nicole took history of theater and we were like it's just the instances of like learning about how theater itself always changes history whether it's in a like a micro or a macro situation and i think now more than ever the theater community needs to come together to uh support this movement and i think now it's the time it should have happened a long time ago but if it happens now it's better than never yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like the arts are such a great place to start. There's so much of what we, so much of our socialization comes through media. It comes from what we see in movies and television, on the stage and music. So like a lot of racism has been embedded in American theater since the beginning. So like trying to root that out will help going forward. If we like recreate what the American theater is, then a lot of children who are coming to view this media, it's gonna be free of all of these negative stereotypes and things like that. And that will definitely go, that will do a lot going forward into like socializing a new generation of people to not continually perpetuate these stereotypes and these ideas. Yeah, I think <clears throat> representation is huge. Um, you know, seeing, you know, being able to see yourself in a show, in a production, even, you know, in a music video, things like that, just like representation is very huge. Um, and then I just wanted to go back to the point where we're saying that, you know, it's necessary for the department to hire a, um, a woman of color in the department. Um, just going off of my college experience, well, Southern's right there at college. So I've been fortunate to have at least one black professor in each of my colleges. That's not that's not, you know, easy to come by, in, at least I've seen in Connecticut. Um, and I remember I had, um, and it was my last 
on campus semester at Southern. I finally like had, even growing up in um Sebastian in our schools, like with a predominantly like black community and Hispanic community, like we didn't really have many black teachers. Yeah, not at all. Hispanic I, teachers. In high school I only remember like one and I don't even think he was a teacher. I think he was a counselor. Mm, yeah. That's not that, that's not good. But I and going into class because you know like you go and like write my profession, like look them up and whatnot. I already knew going into class that she was a black woman and for me that's very huge. And I spent the whole day like mentally preparing myself like, oh my God, like my preference is gonna look like me, like this is gonna be awesome. The minute she walked through the door, I don't know if anyone else saw me, I started bawling my eyes out. Bawling my eyes out. Because this is someone in a position of power that, you know, can influence my life for the better, for the greater. And she did. And so I think that's why representation is so huge because it's not something people really think about, that it's like, oh, you know, let's just put this, you know, person of color here and, you know, in the back. But it's like huge. You know, we read the room. When we walk into a room, we are looking, you know, we're seeing, oh, am I the only black person here? Like, is there something else? We kind of have like this, like, nonverbal, like, communication where we see each other and like, do a little head nod, just so we know that, like, we're not alone, like, thank God, like, there's someone else that will be able to vouch for me, if anything, um, but just seeing, you know, Black people, people of color in certain roles on Broadway, in music, in the dance world, uh, classical music, orchestras, um, you know, it, it's definitely needed because you know, people will be able to see themselves in these roles and see that they are worthy and that they can do it. So it's it's definitely time. So Sebastian. Yes, Nicole. Do we have any songs today? We always do. For the people. The first two songs we're going to be playing is uh, the first song is from Ragtime. It's called Make Them Hear You. And the second song is from Pippin, and it's called On the Right Track. So again, we will catch y'all on the flip side. Go out and tell our story. Let it echo far and wide. Make them hear you. Make them hear you. How justice was our battle and how justice was denied. Make them hear you. Make them hear you. And say to those who blame us for the way we chose to fight that sometimes there are battles which are more than black or white. And I could not put down my sword when justice was my right. Make them hear you. Make them hear you. My path may lead to heaven or hell, and God will say what's best. But one thing he will never say is that I went quietly to my rest. 
go out and tell our story to your daughters and your sons. Make them hear you. Make them hear you. And tell them in our struggle we were not the only ones. Make them hear you. Make them hear you. Proclaim it from your pulpit, in your classroom, with your pen. Teach every child to raise his voice, and then, my brothers, then. Will justice be demanded by ten million righteous men? Make them hear you when they hear
Welcome back to WSINradio.org, Spotify, and anywhere else you're yeah, listening I'm your host, Beth Cordero. That's Nicole Thomas. And we're here with... Zanetta Nicholson. And Jacob Santos. And this is, we try and say it at the same time, three, two, one. The, the Ghostwriters. That, was, so, that wasn't that, that wasn't horrible. We definitely had worse. It's been worse, yes. Yes. Well, I'm honored. So <laughs> this is the part of the episode where we ask our guests just their journey through life, you know, how they started in theater and to the point they're at now. I know um, Jacob's going to go more into depth about him now getting accepted at Yale. So I want to hear more about that. So, Ooh, I didn't know uh, that. Whoever wants to uh, go first, just... You know, start from like how you started in theater to where you're at now. Okay, so um, yeah, so I actually started theater in middle school. Um, I use theater as a way to dance. Um, so I am originally from New York. I'm born and raised in the Bronx, New York. Um, I started dancing when I was three. So I danced my entire first half of my childhood, I guess you could say first half. Um, yeah, so I danced at a studio in Harlem called Uptown Dance Academy. That's where um, my journey began. And, um, you know, growing up as a, as a Black dancer, uh, for me, honestly, I, uh, you know, it was great. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. It was great because I, the school that I went to was a predominantly, or I should say all black dance school. Um, so I never once felt uh, excluded or, you know, different. Um, the only thing was that we had to dye our tights and spray paint our shoes. Now dancers use foundation um, on their shoes, but I actually, like my mom and I would go to the hardware store and like take out like my color and like spray paint the shoes. So that's the only um, thing, but uh, going on, yeah, so I did, uh, was that uptown that I auditioned uh, for Alvin Ailey and they had a pre-professional program so I did that for two years but I stopped because I moved to Connecticut um so yeah so then I moved to West Haven and um I joined our drama club in seventh grade yeah seventh grade because and back when I went there sixth graders weren't allowed to do theater because they did smaller shows and there's like too many big people I don't know but seventh grade they opened at seven so that was great so my first show was Annie Jr. That was cute. Um, so then I did, uh, yeah, seventh and eighth grade I did theater. And then at high school, I stuck with it um, just because I loved performing. Um, even though I was on the dance team, I could still dance there, but I just loved performing. I loved singing like harmonies and things like that. So I was like, all right, I'll stick with it. 
um, had a blast with it. Um, and then my junior and senior year, I was the dance captain of our musicals. So that was great. Um, I think my favorite show I did was Little Shop of Horrors, where I was an urchin, which is like one of my favorite roles. So I was like, yay, awesome. Um, yeah, so I did that and then took a break. Well, I went to my first college. I was a dancing theater major there. I loved the program, but I hated the school, so I left after a semester. So I didn't do theater again until I came to Southern. Um, and then, yeah, I came to Southern 2017 and didn't audition in Phil Pippen. And that was an experience. Um, I'm very grateful for Pippin um, because I kind of didn't really know my place in the arts industry. I kind of, at a certain point, was like, I've done this all my life. Like, I'm, like, performing all my life. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, maybe there's something else out there for me. Um, but doing it really made me realize where my heart, where my passion is, where my home is. Um, and I got to meet the most wonderful people in the entire world. Um, and it was just, yeah, it did a lot of great things for me. Um, and so now I am uh, starting my journey into arts administration. Um, I would like to at some point do like work in a dance company, uh, dance organization. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm open to wherever I need to go though. But yeah, that's where I am now. Awesome. I have like the most interesting story ever. I try. <laughs> I no, it's miss. really cool to see how far you've come. Yeah, it is. It's it's been a long life, but yeah, it's looking back on it, I'm like, wow, like I, it was it was a lot of fun. Like you did fun. that. You right, did exactly. That. I did that, yeah. And I'm still dancing now too, so you know, I right. I'll probably never stop performing. So I love it, so So, Jacob, how about you? Yeah, I, I feel like everyone who enters into theater, like their stories are so different and it's always so long and varied. I feel like there's just like no easy way to like fall into this career. But um, the first like performance or theatrical thing I ever did in my life was in fifth grade at Oakdale Elementary School here in Connecticut. And every year they would have a variety show, which was basically just a talent show. And that was the year, the year I did it was the year that High School Musical came out. So like everyone in the school was like obsessed. So basically it was the High School Musical variety show because that's what, like what all the acts were. So I was in like three different High School Musical numbers. And like, I loved that experience, but then never <laughs> performed again until like high school. So then I remember it was my senior year of high school. And one of my friends was like, Jacob, let's do an after school, school thing together. Like, let's do tech for theater. It'll be fun. It'll be easy. Like, we don't have to be on stage. It'll be behind the scenes. So it can be really chill. And I was like, okay, okay, that sounds good. And then for whatever reason, I decided to audition, like, last minute, the day of the auditions. And I got cast in Harvey. Uh, so there was that. And the really powerful thing about, like, that experience of doing theater in high school was that the environment within the theater club was so different from the general high school environment. So like I would look around at other people that are in the club with me and when we were in that space together, they were so vibrant and they were so happy and they were so themselves. But then when I looked at them in the hallway, like it was like almost even like a physical change, like their head would be down, 
They would be very scrunched up. You could tell they felt uncomfortable and unsafe. So what I realized was that we had created this, this bubble, this safe environment where when you came into it, it didn't matter who you were outside of it. And like you were respected, you were equal, and like you were an artist just as anyone else was. And like different people from different social groups were in that theater club. So like jocks were there, the band geeks, the goths, like literally everyone was there. So I really became enamored with like theater being a safe space for all kinds of people. And that really stuck with me going forward. And I feel like that's what made me want to continue to do it. Because I went to a different university for my first year of undergrad. And I was a pre-pharmacy major because I did not know what I was wanted to do. My parents were like, well, make money and pharmacists make money. So that's what I was going to do. The first semester, those science classes, I was like, absolutely not. No, thank you. It's a chop for me. So then I went to my advisor and I was like, hey, I know this school has a theater department. Like, I'm wondering like, what the process would be to get into that. And then she looked at me and she was like, actually, I don't think you would be right for this. Like, I think they take their art really seriously. So someone like you actually wouldn't be right for this program. And I was like, well, that sounds very racial, so I'm actually going to dip. So then I transferred to Southern with, and I remember um, I was driving in the car with my dad and I told him, I was like, hey, I don't wanna be a pre-pharmacy major anymore. I think I wanna do theater. And it felt like I was coming out to him or something. <laughs> Cause it was just like so scary to like go from something that would make me so much money to something in the arts. But then he was like, cool, cool, cool. I'll support you doing that. But like double major in something else, just in case if it doesn't work out. So I went into Southern double majoring in business and theater, and that's what I did fully. So I have an undergraduate degree in business and theater. But then, so, but like in my head, I was like, okay, I'll do the acting thing, but then I'll get like some kind of business job to support me. So that's kind of like where I started off at. But then that idea of creating artistic spaces really came back to me. So I was like, okay, so who is out there in the world that's actually creating artistic spaces? Like what job is that? So like theater manager came to my mind, like a managing director or an artistic director. So like these are the top people at major theaters around the nation who are actually creating the kind of, who are making the decisions of what art gets produced, what the office culture is like, they interact with artists. So like they are the ones creating these artistic hubs. And I was like, that's actually what I'm passionate about doing of like recreating that safe and respectable place that I had in high school in my theater club. So then that eventually led me to like, okay, so Yale. So I applied to the School of Drama twice. So the first time I did it was out of undergrad and I wanted to go there because I feel like I was too ambitious at the time because I was just like, we need people of color in positions of power now. So like, I'm gonna go to this institution that like fast tracks people to that. So I had like this really almost shallow idea of like what that program was. And it didn't take me until I got into my fellowship at the Westport Country Playhouse where I actually found out the nitty gritty of like what it means to be a theater manager. I was like, oh, okay. So like, these are the industry problems that are facing us right now and these are the institutional problems that we are facing so then over that year I became super passionate about dismantling and attacking these issues so when I applied again I brought that into the application process and they were just like oh well you actually kind of care about this industry so 
And then I got in, which was really crazy. I remember like the day of the interview. So the way the School of Drama does it is you apply and then they ask people back for an interview. And then with my program, which is theater management, they admit, they change every year. So one year they'll admit six people and then the next year they'll admit seven people. So not a lot. <laughs> and they ask 12 people to interview. So basically they cut that in half. And the interview day is basically from morning until like evening time. So then you go in and you shadow one of the current students to go to their classes. You see like what that's like. And then you have, that's like the first half of the day. And then the last half of the day is the actual interview with the chair of the department and then a couple of the deans. So I interviewed with the chair of the theater management department, the deputy dean, and the general manager of the school of VL Rep. So that was a day and a half. <laughs> and I remember leaving that interview thinking that like, oh, I blew it, I blew it. Like they're obviously not gonna want me. That was also a chop. But then COVID happened and I remember I started working from home and I was fast asleep. <laughs> like six o'clock hit and I was like, I need to nap. So then whatever reason my body woke up and I looked at my phone and I saw I had a missed call from someone in New Haven. So I was like, okay, I know people in New Haven. So like, what was this? But then they left a voicemail. It was the chair of the department at Yale. I had missed her call and I called her back and she didn't pick up. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? And then, and then she eventually picked up and she was like, hey, got good news for you. And then she told me that way. So like, I basically missed like my acceptance call for Yale because I was too tired. <laughs> so yeah, that's been like my crazy journey. Like it started basically in my last year of high school and then like through undergrad until now. That is amazing. <laughs> no, you both really seem like you both know what you want to do and like I don't even know what I want for dinner. So congratulations to both of you. <laughs> um, so Sebastian, now that we've heard the wondrous world of Zanetta and Jacob, do we have any more songs for the people? Yes, we do. So the next two songs we're going to be playing is Everybody Say Yeah from Kinky Boots. And then after that, we will be playing Mama Will Provide from Once on this Island. So again, we will catch y'all on the flip side. You were always telling me what I need to be. But you never really had enough faith in me. Dad, you gave up the factory.
making two and a half feet of irresistible Yeah. 
sit on To sleep on the knees Fun for your toes To fill up your belly Welcome back to WSANradio.org, Spotify, and anywhere else that you're listening to us on. I'm your host, Bash Cordero. I'm your co-host, Nicole Thomas. And we're here with... Vanetta Nicholson. And Jacob Santos. And this is... Let's try one more time. Three, two, one. Okay, that was pretty Oh, wow. We very, 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 yeah. like, underwhelming, I but it happened. Yeah. So it's fine. It was, like a, it was like a slow rise. It was like, the yeah. <laughs> Like, we got to make sure that we do it together. Yes. So this is the I part. <laughs> I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the part of the show where um, I take books or I take questions from this book that I have called It's a Musical. 400 questions to ponder, discuss, and fight about. So basically, this book has like a bunch of like open-ended questions, kind of, and then uh, we answer them, I guess. So like, uh, for here we'll start. Jacob, give me a number between one and ninety-nine. Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Okay. So the first question on page thirty-seven is. Name an amazing musical that basically nobody knows about. Oh, God. Hmm. It's so silent, like we're trying to think. <laughs> Chances are, I won. <laughs> <laughs> One. Okay, so it's one that actually Southern produced um, during the slot for student director one act, Sean Tyler Allen. He was a student here. He directed mm. 35 millimeter, which is like a song cycle. And it's by mm. to a queer couple. And basically they were driving down, uh, driving one day, and they saw different images that really stuck with them. So one of them is a photographer. So he took pictures of these images that they saw. And then his partner looked at these images and was like, wow, I can say so much about this, and they wrote songs to it. So then 35 millimeters is kind of like this song cycle that's, so it's music, and then also 
in the show is the pictures that they took included with it. So like during art production, we like projected them onto the set and there was the music. And it's really, really good, but I'm not sure many people really know about it. I only know about it because of that. You know, I, like, know I don't know. I don't know like about it, about it, but I know of it. Yeah, I didn't know all that backstory. That's quite interesting. Yeah. Okay, um, give me a number. One through A nine. number. Uh, Wait, she didn't answer. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Does Zanetta. she have an answer? Zanetta, I have an do. Answer? I thought of one. Okay. What is so it? <laughs> so it's more like a musical review, but okay. starting here, starting now, I think that's what it's called. I don't mm. know. I know it's one of the songs, but I love it. There's a lot of bops in there. I can't tell you what it's about because I don't remember, but I know it's like <laughs> music slash. That's all I got. Yeah, so unknown that even Zanetta doesn't know some of the music. Exposed. Nicole, do you have any uh, musicals based um, on I got two, but I don't know what they're about, but I just know the song. So Daddy Long Legs, the musical. I know one song from it, and it's one of my go-to audition songs called The Color of Your Eyes. It's great. I don't know what the show's about, but I know that song, so that's fun. And then another show, Ordinary Days, I know all the music. Don't know what it's about though, but I can I can kind of piece it together. But I don't want to give it away. It seems really interesting. Cool. You took mine. I was gonna say ordinary days. You're gonna say ordinary days. Yeah, because I guess it's I, not that not well known. I didn't know what ordinary days was, but my I was laying in bed one day and my sister comes down. It's like ten o'clock at night. She goes, "You're a theater major, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." And she's like, <laughs> And she was like, "You Ordinary Days, like, do you know that musical? And I was like, I've never heard of it in my life. And then she told me to start listening to some of the music. So I listened to, like, the first two songs. It, it's a pretty mm-hmm. good, from the first two songs, it's pretty good, but. It's got good music. I like it. Yeah. So, uh, Zanetta, pick a number. Uh, 18. 18, okay. So the first question on page 18. Name a theater song that mentions an animal's name. What like, like dog, cat, bird? I yeah, animal. It just says that mentions an animal's name. Oh, it's possible. In Susco, like I sit here and fish. <laughs> um, but I'm they're talking go... about the act. They're not talking about the animal. So maybe that's different. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, they have to mention. Oh, wait, is that a line? Or a song in Wizard of Oz where they're like lions and tigers. Is that like a line or like is that a That's, song? It's like it's not a song, but it's like it's is. It's not like a defined song. Okay, so I'll, that'll be kind my, of that'll be yeah. my choice. Does it have to be in the title or like just the lyric? Just no, a, just the lyric. Oh, okay. But it could be in the title. Um. What's that song, The Lion King, uh, in, in The Wiz? I'm a mean lion. If I were King of Forest. Yes. Well, that one. That's all I got. <laughs> Do they sing The Lion Sleeps Tonight in The Lion King? Yes. Okay. Now, yes. <laughs> you know what? Let's see. <laughs> I, was thinking, I was thinking The Lion King. I'm like, there has to be something. <laughs> Okay, Nicole, pick a number. Three. three. I'm going to keep going that way. You Next time I'll say four. Um, oh, look at this. 
Name a strong black leading character in a musical. Look at me go. See? Low number. Leading player. Leading player, yes. Yeah. Not biased or anything, but... <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. You know. <laughs> oh my god, I don't know why I'm blanking on her name, but this is one of my favorite musicals. From the color purple, the lead character in the color purple. What was her name again? Character name or like person name? Oh, the character name. Oh, I don't know. Because I know Cynthia Revo recently. Right, yeah, movie, yeah. But, well, people know. People know. And I'm Here is an inspirational bop. Mm -hmm. Everyone go listen to that soundtrack. Yes. Um, I'll pick a newer one. I know, like, in the movie he's not. But uh, when they did it off-Broadway, uh, Hercules, I'll pick him. Because that was a, I really liked, from the clips I saw, he, he, the actor playing Hercules did a really good job portraying him. And I like that they took elements from like Greek mythology also and threw it in the musical instead of sticking true to the Disney musical, which I thought was really cool. So, um, I'd say Norm Lewis when he played the Phantoms, a historic moment. Love that. Okay, so I'm gonna flip to a random page and we got um cast your favorite cartoon character in the lead of a musical. Oh god. Well SpongeBob already has the musical. <laughs> yeah. That was my choice. So um what if we pick like 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 a childhood cartoon? Like I'm trying to think of like stuff I used to watch as a kid. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I watch like a lot of like I don't know if you guys know like four kids. Like I watch a lot of like Pokemon and like Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how Yu-Gi-Oh would like work in like a musical. <laughs> oh my god, imagine. Or Ash Ketchum and Pikachu like singing a duet together. I don't know how that would work. I yeah. I think I think I would really, I would want like a really clean cartoon to like be in like a really like, like a very intense musical. Like maybe like, I don't know, like um, we'll have like Ed, Ed and Eddie play like the three guys in American Idiot. And that's. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's actually not bad. Yeah. Now that I'm that's thinking funny. about it. That's funny. Do y'all remember a Goofy movie and then there was that pop yeah. star Powerline? I don't know if that was his name, but that was like his stage name. So I would love to see him because that character was voiced by Tevin Campbell. So I would love to see him and Ain't Too Proud to Beg. Like to him, hear him sing that music would be amazing. That would be. That would be really good. So there's a question in this book that I also like asking a lot. And uh, we, uh, when, two episodes ago me and nicole flipped on it and then um the last episode we did we flipped on it again so i just like asking it um if you can have or if you can have a one-on-one -on -one with the president of the united states to go to a, a broadway musical what show would you see Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> some some past answers we got were in the heights, 
Kinky Boots. Um, there was other ones I can't think of. Other shows. Those were our two answers. That's yeah, why we remember two, them. Yeah. <laughs> so this show wasn't on Broadway. It was off Broadway, but I'm pretty sure like once Broadway opens back up, it's already on the path to be there. But this mm -hmm. was uh, A Strange Loop by Michael R. Jackson. So like that, this is a show about a queer black man who is trying this show is about a queer black man who's writing a show about a queer black man who's writing a show about a queer black man who's writing a show <laughs> so it's like this experience oh i love that who's like great. not really represented on broadway but also like in our country so i feel mm -hmm. like the president seeing that kind of representation would do him some good mm -hmm. i like that one i'm feeling it <laughs> it's not a musical but um a play i would really like him to see is um i know last uh, the fall semester uh me and nicole for our acting class we had to go see a show that they were doing at long oh, it was called, so good called on the grounds of belonging and it was so, I, good. so good i it's like one of my favorite plays i've ever seen but i i would love I to see, see it that again. yeah i do too like and then we we stayed for the, the talk back and they're like, oh, they're trying to make mm. like a sequel to it. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. That would be so good. Cause the way that it ended, like it set it up for a sequel that could just be so good. They want to know what happens. I feel like Next. It, it just has like so many elements that like, I feel like the president needs to see. So like, it'd be an amazing. Oh thing. yeah. For those of you who don't know what it's about, look it up. I'm not going to try yeah, and there's, there's too much. And it's so good. Yes. Yeah. And I don't like it. plays. I don't like plays either. I like that one. So that's saying something. Can we do another question? Oh, sure. Okay. Let's do one more question. Okay. Uh, does anyone want to shout a number out or do you want me to just choose random? You can choose. Okay, we're on a page. Um, if The Daily Show were a musical, and really it should be, who would be the best choice for host? I think Trevor Noah is hilarious, so I would love him to see him in a musical. I don't know. Yeah, I like Trevor Noah. Yeah. So if The Daily Show was a musical, who would be the host? Who would be the best choice for host? I would love to see Billy Porter be in a Oh, musical. yeah. Yes. I could well, just we're, all, we're all like taking your person because we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That would be that so would... cool. I feel like his name just left my head. Like, I totally forgot that he was a talk, like The Daily Show host for a while. So that's amazing. We made our decision. Yes. So, Sebastian. Yes. Nicole. How many more songs do we have for the people? Uh, right now we have two songs that we're going to be playing next. The first one is Kristoff's Lullaby from Frozen, and then the second one is I Won't Say I'm in Love from Hercules. So, with that, we will catch y'all on the flip side. What is this hollow kind of helplessness I'm feeling? 
This type of terror is new And the fact that I can hardly breathe Is now revealing How much I've changed cause of you You light the world for me You live life fearlessly Braver than the bravest of us do you hope, you dare, you choose to feel and care I thought that I was strong till I bumped into you What do I know about love? What do I know about love? Everything I thought I did, you've gone and Changed it, kid. You're what I know about love. If there's a price for rotten judgment I guess I've already won that No man is worth the aggravation That's ancient history, been there, done that Don't you think you're kidding? He's the earth and heaven to you Try to keep it hidden Honey, we can see right oh, through no. You're dying to cry your heart out Welcome back to WSANradio.org, Spotify, and anywhere else that you're listening to our show on. I'm your host, Sebastian Cordero. I'm your co-host, Nicole Thomas. 
And we are here with Brunetta Nicholson and Jacob Santos. And this is, one more time, guys, three, two, one. Go, 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 you know, for our last time, it was pretty good. So, as always, we ask the same question every episode. And, Nicole, what is that question? If you could turn any movie or TV show into a musical, what would it be and who would you play? It could be a play, too. So my choice, this actually started off as a theatrical piece and then got made into a movie, but it wasn't like a full theatrical piece. So I'd like to see it double back and become one. And that's Moonlight. So it's original theatrical piece being in Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue by Terrell. Um, and yeah, it became an amazing movie, Academy Award winner. So I would like to see that actually like go to Broadway because the story of that story follows one main character throughout different stages of his life. So in the movie, it had different age character, different age people playing different parts of the same character throughout their life. So it would give an opportunity for like a young black boy to have a role on Broadway, a teenage black boy to have a role on Broadway, and then an adult black man to have a role on Broadway. So so like, I would want to see that and also just that show in general. <laughs> hmm. Let's see. Uh, I'm stumped because I don't watch a lot of like movies or TV. Like I watch a lot of like cooking shows. So. <laughs> oh my God, there could be like like the Great British Bake Off as a movie. But, like the only. As a movie. I mean, the only thing like, that pops in my head is like a Gordon. Gordon Ramsay musical, like a Hell's Kitchen type oh musical. That'd be really chaotic. And like he can like throw food at the audience. Um, yeah. <laughs> Literally the only thing that has been like in my head right now. <laughs> Cause you know, you know my how brain cells the, are dead. <laughs> you know how there's the parody of The Office. They could just do that of Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, they should. They should. That's, that's, that's just my answer. That's all I got right now. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's what that. I don't. I'm sad that I didn't think of that. That's amazing. It'd be so, interactive. You know, mm-hmm. chaotic. Like, come on. Perfect. So with that, this is our episode of The Ghost Light. I'd like to thank Jacob Santos and Zanetta Nicholson for being on our show. Uh, if you guys have any social medias that you want to shout out or anything that you want to say before we end the episode, now is your time. Yeah, so my Instagram is JAC underscore Santos 23. Um, yeah, I'll shout out my Instagram. It's my name. Benetta Nicholson. Um, <laughs> you can follow me on there. Um, I'm hoping to post a lot more dance videos because I have a ton of choreography in my head and I never post them. So follow me and hold me accountable, please. <laughs> so with that, this has been the Ghost Light. Thank you again for listening. And we hope to have an episode for you either in the next few weeks or hopefully in the next few days, hopefully. So with that, this has been the ghost. Oh wait, Nicole, you have to ask. Uh, do we have, what's our final songs for the people? Oh, I'm glad you asked now, Nicole. Um, our last song we will be playing is Burn from Hamilton. Again, thank you guys for listening. 
and we hope that you have a great day. Bye.